Hello and welcome disc golfers to the Hitting the Line podcast. I am your host, Jed, and as per usual, I am joined with my brother, Nasser. Nas, how you doing? What's up, Jed? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. It's nice to be back. We did miss last week. Uh, I think we both just kind of thought we were a little bit busy. Real life happens. Uh, we do this for fun. We're here recording at 8 p.m., so... Uh, not always easy when you live 40 minutes apart. But Nas, how was last week on the Pro Tour, and what else we got? Well, we had, of course, the MVP Open at Maple Hill. And so we were uh, blessed with an Adam Hammes win over Eagle McMahon. So that was pretty exciting to watch. I was uh, at home and able to enjoy all of that live, and I had a blast. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, it was nice to see Adam Hammes make the bounce back. It looked like he almost took a month off while his um, somebody I'm sure he'll be competing with for a long time in the near future. Kyle Klein seemed to take a backseat these past couple weeks. Hammes is on the rise um, and so on and so. So Hammes takes it down. What about on the FPO side? Was it Paige Pierce? No, it was uh, Katrina Allen. Katrina actually. Allen. That's right. Katrina Allen takes down. I believe that was her first win since 2012 at the MVP Open. But last year, Paige did win, I believe, in pretty uh, stunning fashion. We've seen Kona uh, play strong in the first couple rounds. And anybody who follows this pod knows we're big-time Kona fans. So it was nice to see that out of her. We are Kona truthers, I think, is probably the best way to say it. I mean, her her backhand and forehand is so pure. And it looks like that putting, now that she changed it up again to that straight-on Maybe a little hyzer pitch putt style, half spin, spush putt, we'll call it. Yeah, a little spushy. Starting to treat her right. Yeah, I think uh, that was a good move by Kona. You know, I would never knock someone for trying to do something new or try something that they think will work better for them. But I think you and I both, I think from the beginning of that putt, were saying, man, if she just had a consistent little spush, she could be finishing top five at all of these tournaments. And this past week, she really showed us that with just a consistent putting game, uh, she can really put it together. So it was really cool to see that from Kona. And then let's just jump back to the men's side. Any other takeaways from the men's side besides uh, Klein and Hammes? Well, Klein, Jed, I don't think played as well. So let's not talk about your boy Klein. I know you love him so much. Um, But let's talk about Eagle, maybe. Uh, Eagle, of course, had that big four-stroke lead going into the final round. I think we were probably, you and I were both thinking, here comes another Eagle Pro Tour win. Uh, He's going to put another notch in his belt, another entry on the resume of wins. Um so what happened to Eagle? What what did you notice? Was Hammy's just I mean, was Hammis just on fire and there was no stopping him? Or do you think Eagle maybe let this one slide by a little bit? Yeah, I think Hammis played really well, consistent golf all tournament long, as you should if you are going to take first place. But I if you watch that last round, it's right there clear as day on Jomez. I think Eagle's forehand was for sure a little bit off and he was maybe missing some of those edge of circle one putts that we're so used to him doing. So yeah, I mean, what's so bad about second place? I think we all expected. Yeah. Or no, he tied for a second with Ricky. So. Yeah. He, he had to go for it on 18, which kind of jumped him back. I mean, it's a theoretical second for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, pulled, I guess we're, we're so used to seeing ice in his veins, and it wasn't there. But Yeah, I mean, we Hamas saw him great. shoot uh, a 1083 the first round, followed by a 1070. So he was averaging, you know, close to about ooh, 1075 golf those first two rounds, then kind of let down with 
uh, a 10-23 final round, which was seven strokes worse than Mr. Hammis. So uh, we didn't see what we wanted out of the finish with uh, Eagle there, but it's nice to see someone else take another win home this year. And then with another second place finish, I think Ricky Wysocki has been like Mr. Second Place, which isn't great for maybe the wins, the wins column, but it's pretty good for your overall points and how you're doing in the standings. You're beating everybody except one person practically every week. That looks really good in terms of which, tour points and things like that. Which just to push back on that context a little bit, and we're talking about him being Mr. Second Place, um, I'm not sure if anybody has more wins than him this year either. I mean, I'm, I think people might be tied. I think he might have a. He has at least two or three, right? It's it's Eagle, Paul, Ricky, and I don't Rick think Paul's won any big tournament this year. I mean, he's won. He won in Arizona at the Memorial, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, although Ricky is Mr. Second and Mr. Consistent, also who else has been winning more than him? Even exactly. McMahon, he's had a couple it? wins and just a couple times where maybe you thought he was going to win and he only got second or third, which is still of course, incredibly good. Uh, so he's been super good this year. So I don't want to take away anything from Rick. Just a quick pull it up here. His last few tournaments are going back the past couple weeks. Second at Maple Hill, second at Delaware, seventh at Idlewild, first at Ledgestone, first at the preserve, uh, a seventh place finish an eighth place finish. Then a second place at the Utah Open. Have you said anything outside the top 10 yet? No, he only has one, and it was at Waco where he fit. Oh, sorry, he has two. At Waco, he finished 11th, and at the Masters Cup, which is one of those courses that, you know, you can have some bad rollaways and stuff, he finished 14th. Uh, that was his lowest cash of the year. So. And can you contrast that with Paul McBeth for us? Yeah, let me pull that up. Let's, let's look at Paul McBeth This is here. for sure a Paul McBeth, quote-unquote, down year, I would say. Um, which is still I've, a great year. I'd yeah, don't want to hate on Paul. It's still an excellent year to have. Let's look at Paul here. So Paul's worst finish this year has been 18th at Ledgestone, uh, but he does have the Memorial, the Dynamic Disc Open, and the Des Moines Challenge. So three first place, one, two, three, four second places, three third places. Yeah, I guess who am I talking down on him? Yeah, so I think we were maybe off a little bit about Paul here. Some, he has Some recency bias from us maybe, yeah, maybe just this past month. Three first place, four second place. Although, although let's let's talk about Paul McBeth and MVP Open. Is that how great he is, though? We just expect him to never finish worse than top three. A absolutely. Yeah. L let's talk about um, Paul McBeth at MVP Open. I am a little bit surprised to see him struggle um, and not take a you know top three finish. What he finished 11th. Outside the top 10 is, is really difficult to see from Paul there. So that's our recency bias showing. Paul has dominated the MVP Open in the past yep. and even showed up to Maple Hill a week sooner than pretty much the whole competition just to practice. He took the week off just to practice there um, and maybe not come away with the result we wanted to see. Yeah, it was that final round again. He shot like Eagle, a 10-23-58. Um, you know, you see just four four strokes better there would have put him, Jad, in a third. So that final round is kind of what bit him in the butt, it looks like, although he didn't play great this weekend. Uh, just a couple strokes in the round here, and he finishes in that top 10, even top five. So, again, you're right. It's, it's our recency bias. It's us being used to... Paul dominating everything. You can't have a year like 2015 where he just won everything. The Grand Slam winner won all the big majors. Uh, we can't expect that every year. And like we said before, this is the first year ever for us where we can go into a tournament and not just choose Paul McBeth as the outright winner and feel great about it. Because in the past, you would always give give me bets on Paul versus the field, and I would always take the field, and Paul would almost always dominate. So this is the first year where that's not the case. And so before we finish rounding up the MVP Open, I do want to jump back to the women's side one more time because we hardly glossed over 
um, Katrina Allen. And we we did miss last week. We did not have an episode last week at the Delaware challenge where she did shoot. I believe it was a 10 30 something rate. Yes, round. that's right. She was on fire. Um, let's, let's not forget how on fire right now. Katrina Allen is. She's really dangerous. Um, fairway she, queen goddess, dude. When, when she's she's been on, it. it's foot on the gas. It's less, it's much less variance than pages game. Um, when she's on, that's right. And you so. can really see her rack up uh, some first place victories coming down the stretch here. So just so. to just to kind of quickly go back over, she shot four down for the tournament, uh, which included a second round that she shot one thousand five. Kona was at three over, so she beat the competition by seven strokes. Paige at four over in third place. Haley King at seven over in fourth place. And then Tiger Borth, someone we haven't talked about on the show before, uh, shooting plus eight to finish fifth. So she was definitely the lowest rated, one of the lowest rated top competitors here. She's only rated 898 or 896, and she finished top five. So shout out to Tiger for that. Dare dare we mention Haley King, or should we not give her that airspace? Maybe talk about her another time. We love Haley King. That final round, 911 rated round, is not what you want to see from someone with the skills that she has. So, you know, she shot nine strokes worse than Kat that, fi- that final round, and just that difference there would have made her finish second. So... Um, yeah, I'll, we, I'll call her Anthony Barella talent with maybe early Eagle McMahon head game. So. Yeah. We're going to see a lot more of Haley King in the future. Yeah, so absolutely. we don't have to worry She's about that for a long time. And so that brings us to our 10th installment of the hitting the line podcast where we are at Jefferson. Is it Vermont? Yeah. Jeffersonville, Vermont at the green mountain championship or the GMC as it's known. Uh, Fox Run Meadows and Brewster Ridge, the two courses, private courses uh, that have had a lot of love and money put into them. And from what I hear, this is like definitely a bucket list place for you, I, uh, people listening to this show. You want to get out here to this place where you have a disc golf dedicated space, places to stay, and people there who are just excited about disc golf. Um, This course is absolutely beautiful, the best time of year to be there. And someday, maybe when I'm not my first week of teaching, I would love to take a trip out here to either watch this tournament or a late summer trip to go out here and play. So let's take a look at the course. Courses. Courses. Yeah, we are playing two courses. Um, We have Fox Run Meadows as well as Brewster Ridge. Brewster Ridge being more of a wooded course versus Fox Run Meadows, uh, which not to say is a wide open course. Uh, But Brewster Ridge is more wooded um, from what we are reading, from what we know, from what we've watched before. It looks like the fairways are pretty fair. Uh, so as to say, you know, maybe not some random trees in the middle of the fairway that add variance. It's supposed to be pick your line. Uh, there's a line that it demands. Hit that line. You will be rewarded. If not, you are likely to be out of bounds. Yeah, par is going to be 61 here. And last year we saw some crazy things happen here. We saw uh, Kevin Jones shoot a course record 13 down in round three, which was rated 1090. We've seen Michael Johansson shoot a 13 down here as well. Yeah, I, I believe in 2017. Um, so there's, we can see some really low scores here. And I think this year compared to last, we always know that we think the courses are going to play a little bit tougher each year. However, the competition is also getting better each, each year. And from what we've read, this course hasn't changed too much. Some of the, di- the distances, uh, according to the holes from last year or this year, are slightly different. 
usually between five and 15 to 20 feet. So I don't know if that's now everyone's just using the range finder and we're getting a slightly more accurate measurement or the holes are changing that much. I can't imagine they would change every single hole by 10 or 10 or 15 feet. I think we're just getting slightly more accurate measurements now. Um, so again, some highlights from last year, the hot rounds, James Conrad, uh, also shot a, what is this, a 13 down, 48, the first round. Paul Macbeth shot a nine down. Chris Dickerson shot a nine down the first first round. So those are some highly rated uh, rounds, about 1060 rated. So Jed, if we're looking at these courses, we know our top five guys are all going to have that kind of in their range. Yeah, and then of course we skimmed over last year's winner. Um, Kevin Jones ended up taking it home by four strokes with Paul, Ricky, and Conrad rounding out the top. Kevin, of course, shot himself a 1090 as well, except this was at um, Fox Run. 1080? 10, Kevin Jones has a 1090, I believe, second round. Is that right? Uh, I'm looking last at year. last year, Kevin Jones. No, he shot a 1090 round three. That was round at three. that was at Brewster Ridge. Okay. Rounds one and three were at Brewster Ridge. So, I mean, yeah, anytime you're shooting a 1090, you're looking at the, you're feeling uh, good. the top four. That's, yeah. And it's really goddamn good. And then the, at, at the, other, the other course, uh, he shot a 1080 and a 1060. So he averaged 1070. So, And it didn't even feel that close. Four strokes sounds like pretty close. But with that final round or with that third round that he shot, he was ahead uh, the entire final round. So it, it didn't even really feel like four strokes was even that close. It felt like he won by a lot more. Um, do you think we're going to see this side of Kevin again, Jed? I know you love Kevin. I have not been impressed with what I saw from him the past couple of weeks, if I'm correct. I um, think I think we may is the answer. Um, what's really cool about these two courses that everybody loves essentially is you're going to get rewarded and you're going to get punished. Um, and so wh- whoever's playing great golf, um, I've said it before on the pod, I'm not into you know making predictions on who's going to take first, who's going to take third. Um, you know, I, I don't have that. I would love to see Kevin Jones. Is this Kyle Klein's week to make his comeback? Is Adam Hammes still riding that heater? Is Paul Macbeth going to bounce back? Is Ricky going to finish third again? Or get another second? Where has James Conrad been since the world championships? And he played so well here last year. Yeah. He, but yeah, he played very well. So he's someone else that you could look at and wonder, uh, just to go over Con- Conrad's last four finishes. Jed, can you guess what his best finish over the past four weeks was or four maybe, tournaments? Maybe ninth if I had to guess. I'm not sure. No, his best finish was 21st, which was wow. last week. So last wow. four NTs, uh, 21st at MVP, 28th at uh, Delaware, 25th at Idlewild, 31st at Ledgestone. He had three top 10 finishes previous to that. Of course, Worlds, and then uh, finished 12th at the Majestic. So he hasn't been playing well. So ask yourself, is this the week James Conrad can maybe make a comeback and shoot like he did last year? So so that's what we've seen last year out of MPO. Nas, uh, could you take us through the FPO side from last year? Yeah, let's take a look at the FPO side. Last year, as we know, was Paige Pierce's year. She, won, she wins uh, shooting a 14 down. With Haley King very close behind at a 12 down and then a big gap. So it was a two-horse race. Uh, Sarah Hokum and Katrina Allen both at three over. So Now, now something we got to talk about about that last year's FPO battle. This was a battle right before Haley King um, won the, the Disc Golf Pro Tour championship. Oh, yeah. Um, when That's she, right. When she beat Paige. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So this prefaced that duel, actually. It came all the way down to... Hole 16 of the tournament last year where they were tied. Haley King went out of bounds. 
um, ended up taking a double bogey and Paige took a par and they both birdie birdied the last two holes. Yeah. Um, so that tournament last year, actually, um, you know, we seen that flash of Haley King and she hung in there while Paige was playing at her best. And that's oh, that man. battle that we want to see. Listen to these two rounds Paige shot. Uh, her lowest round was a 968 first, first round. And then she comes out the second round and fires off a 1030. Uh, rests on her laurels a little bit for round three, only shoots a 976. And then comes back round four with a blazing 1038. Unbelievable. So yeah, and, Paige. And, and this is with Haley King this taking is with her Haley all King, the way to the last hole. Who had, yeah, who had outshot her the round previous by two strokes. Haley King is behind her. She beats her by four strokes and shoots a 1038. Just great stuff from Paige. Now, I know we're not in the business of predicting, but do you think this top four changes or are these going to be the same four ladies we I mean, see? I, I would call the FPO side different than the men's in that sense for sure. Um, it's going to be a lot more predictable towards the top with the FPO. Uh, as I've mentioned on a podcast before, I think it's the tier two and tier three of the FPO where we're going to see a lot of newcomers, a lot of flashes of greatness from you know some random people. Maybe it's Stacey Ronsley. Um, maybe it's Ella One Throw Hanson. Maybe it's... Um, Rebecca Cox, you never know. She maybe it's Heather Young, Maria we, we really Oliva. Ex- um, so I like a lot of those people uh, coming up to you too. But yeah, I would say you should expect the same top four. You know, uh, maybe Paige, Missy Gannon, Katrina Allen, Haley King, uh, maybe Kona, Kona trades. Yeah, I think Kona. She shot plus fourteen last last year. I th- I'm not sure she uh, shoots over par this year. I feel like she's gonna get, she's gonna play a lot better. I think she didn't average. She didn't play her best golf the last time, and I think we're gonna see a lot better. Out of Kona, this De- definitely this time confidence around. is something that Kona needs and rides well on. Yeah. So that's what we've got from last year. Um, we've mentioned what we might think about this year. What is your narrative for either side, the men or the women? But and I what, think, but and I was gonna say, Jed, I think those narratives kind of lead us into the next part of our show, where we're gonna maybe start talking about. Uh, what our entries look like for this week. Which narrative are so, you writing is really the big question when you're looking to make your entry. So, Jed, do you want to tell us a little bit about price picks? Absolutely. I thought you'd never ask. So, what do these narratives mean about our picks for prize picks? What is prize picks? Prize picks is a daily fantasy sports app or website, depending on what you're using. You could bet any sport. Fantasy football starts. Tomorrow is week one of the NFL, you, but we're here for disc golf. You could bet anything you'd like. Anyways, prize picks, daily fantasy disc golf. Um, they give you a line. You pick the over or the under and collect money. It's that easy. On at least two players. So so join us over at prize picks. Use our referral code HTL as in hitting the line, and they will match you 100% deposit, debu- deposit bonus right off the rip. You get to use that money. Right away. So, nice awesome. prize picks. Take and, us and, into it. And anybody who is listening, Jed, if uh, you are listening to this right now, if you tweet at us or email us, tell me your favorite disc brand and mold and let us know you're out, you're out there listening. The first person to message us is going to get a disc from Jed and I's personal stash and collection. So anybody out there is listening... Let us know you're listening. Send us a hit, message. Hit us up with that engagement. Say, hey, I'm listening. That's all we need out of you on social there you media. Go. Um, that's at underscore hitting the line on Twitter. Or maybe it's my personal account at Jad underscore Rehan. That's J-A-D. Last name Rehan, R-I-H-A-N. And you can find me at H-T Nasser, N-A-S-S-E-R. Send us a message and just say, I'm listening. 
and then we'll uh, try to work out something for you where you can give us. We, S- we will send give you, you a, a nice disc, disc for the for the frizzle for free. All right. Well, let's move into our next part of our show, Jed, where we give our listeners uh, our thoughts on the lines for this week, and then maybe we'll even uh, give them a free entry and tell us, and we'll tell them why we picked it. So, let's go to the board. All right. Uh, the lines come out usually 7 p.m. Eastern time here, right in time for us to record. And Pacific we take time. a peek right right before we start. So I'm going to announce the numbers like I usually do. Par is 61. So keep in mind some hot rounds where eight or nine down or better. We've got Richard Wysocki, Paul McBeth, and Eagle all at 52 and a half. We've got Calvin at 53 and a half. Chris Dickerson, Kyle Klein, and James Conrad at 54 and a half. Kevin Jones at a 54. Adam Hammes at a 54 and a half. Simon Lazat, 56. Drew Gibson, 56. Nico, 55 and a half. Ezra, 56. Garrett Gerthy, 56 and a half. Yuli at 56. Emerson Keith and Jeremy Colling at 56 and a half. So, this is a course that I feel this week one of our. Um, Things we're thinking is, man, it's really tough to pick an over. But as we were talking about before the show, Jed, this is going to be kind of a classic strategy pick. Uh, but before we go into how we're going to build our entries, what are some lines that jump out to you as maybe immediate overs or immediate unders? What are you thinking? I think there's a few guys. I would definitely stay away from the Ezra over. Um, over would be a 57. Um, under is plausible at 55. That one jumps out at me right away. There is out of bounds. So this course can bring up scores, not because people are missing their lines or missing putts, but because they're going out of bounds. So you got to ask yourself, maybe maybe we're sorting our stats on the U-Disc Jad through uh, out of bounce rate this this year and seeing who's those guys who can keep it in bounce are. They might be really great picks. Sure. And I think what you're, what you're saying is there's some variance on this course. Yeah. And so this, to me, the way the board sets up is... You, we want to start with the basic theory that we've been working with all year where take the guys who are projected to do the best, pick the over. You might hate it. You might hate the, you might hate the over on Ricky or Paul. You're gritting your teeth. But think, and then guys. You have to. So, and on the other side of that, uh, we're looking at some of the guys who are projected to do the worst and picking the under because who's, uh, are we not thinking that Jeremy Cullen can shoot a 1030 that Emerson Keith can shoot a 10:30, Paul Uliberry, etc. And then, so after you lock in your basic theory, all of those middle guys, pick your narrative. Yep. Is this James Conrad's comeback? He shot 10:90s last year. It's a wooded course, and he's it, been playing very bad recently. So variance, or maybe just chance, would tell us there's no way he can do four weeks in a row of finishing outside the top 20. But it's possible. Drew Drew Gibson at Ledgestone on the toughest wooded course in the history of disc golf shredded it we're playing we're playing in the woods this week do you expect drew gibson to shoot um better than his rating do you expect kevin jones to repeat all he has to do is shoot better than his rating really to hit that under um chris dickerson we know is the is the woods master right so i think on either end play by theory take those guys who are projected to do well pick the over take the guys who are projected to do bad pick the under and then in the middle pick your narrative what's going on in the disc golf world in your head right now is Adam Hammes going to ride his hot streak? If you think so, pick the under. 
is maybe Emerson Keith going to make a comeback. He hasn't been playing great the past few weeks. That's a pretty easy under for him to shoot a five down. I think Emerson Keith can easily shoot a five or better. That's about at a, this course. a 10 27 last year. Uh, yeah, I believe so. A five under would have been, let's see. Five under would have been a 56. Ooh, let's see. Nas, take us through your pick. Picks. All right. Well, what, what do you got? If you were to recommend entry, one lineup, one I'm entry. keeping. I'm keeping. Of course, it's round one. And if you've listened to the show, you know we don't like to go big in round one because the hot scores are usually coming in round two. But I made uh, two small entries this week. I've got a four pick flex. You could play it as a as a power play if you want, and a two pick power. I like to keep you know my variance low by doing the two pick plays once in a while, but. My four-pick flex, I went with our strategy. I chose Paul McBeth on the over, even though the narrative in our mind is he hasn't been playing great. If Paul can just come out and shoot his normal 1050 or 1040, he should hit that over of an eight down. Um, I think he can shoot an eight down. That's pretty reasonable for for him. So I've got Paul as the one I'm biting my uh, tongue or gritting my, my teeth and choosing the over on Paul McBeth to shoot a 53 or an eight down as my over because you something we've said before you have to have at least one over and then one under so and then I decided just like you said Jeremy Colling has been playing pretty good this year he's exceeded my my expectations and we've leaned on him for the under so many times Jeremy Colling has helped us on the under virtually every week so I've got Jer- Jeremy Colling under 56 and a half which means if he shoots a 56 a five down he's going to be there um, another person you said Choose your narrative is Emerson Keith in the woods. Time to come back and play a little bit better. They've got him at 56 and a half. I'm taking the under. If he can shoot at least a five down, we get there. And then the other narrative that I'm playing from my bottom end is uh, James Conrad. I'm really risking the biscuit here uh, and taking James Conrad 54 and a half on the under, which I think I could just as easily take the over. But I'm going to say under. I'm waiting for James Conrad to make a comeback and show us who he was at Worlds, show us who he was at this tournament last year. And a 54.5 is a 7 down, which was is actually um, he averaged be- uh, better than that for the tournament. So I'm excited to see James Conrad play well. So that's my four-pick flex. Now quickly, just to hop over something a little fun, a two-pick power, I put the crush boys against each other. Eagle McMahon on the over. 52 and a half and Simon Lazat on the under. And I guess I could have tossed in Kyle Klein for the third crush crush boy, but just the two originals here, Eagle on the over Simon on the under two pick power play. What are you is, thinking? Is it funny that when you said crush boys went out, you know, my head was trying to predict what you were going to say next. I actually thought you were going to say Kyle Klein. I forgot Simon Lazat existed. That's right. Simon's the OG crush boy. So, um, yeah, as far as the picks goes, um, on either side of my, you know, theory, I would prefer to take Paul in the over versus Ricky and Eagle. And on the opposite side, I agree 100%. I would rather take Jeremy Colling on the under rather than Emerson or Uliberry. Um, oh, I forgot about Uli. That's a good. Uh, that's a good under too. Well, some something to note as well. Colling um, is projected to do half a stroke um, worse than Uliberry, which actually, when you, on the under pick turns into a whole stroke. Yuli's under would be a 55. Colling right. is only a 56. Yeah. And Colling um, is somebody who, as I've been watching this year, I really believe he's a, just a good golfer in general. 
Um, he does not take high risk plays. He knows what he's capable of. Yeah, he doesn't play um, out outside of what he knows he can do. Yeah, and then so you know, p- play some smart golf and throw in um, some big circle two putts that he makes seemingly one or, one or two around or handful of tournament. Throw in those, and you're looking at a five down, and that's super reasonable out of Jeremy Colling. I mean, this is a course that Kevin Jones, I think, went eight for nine in that hot round where he shot the 13 down. So we know an eight down just on the front nine is possible. Um, so I think you're right. Colling is a great pick there. So, so those are my picks on the la- on the outside parts. Um, in the middle, for my quote-unquote narrative picks, um, I'm actually just going to take talent over everything. Um, give me Hamas and Klein on the unders. I'll be choosing. Um, maybe not mad at that pick. Ma- yeah, maybe sprinkle in, sprinkle in some some Ezra or Kevin Jones. And overs are a little bit tough to pick if you don't want to pick oh, one of the three best golfers in Ricky Paul Eagle. Um, if I was to choose an over, maybe I'm sprinkling in some some Nico. I mean, it sucks. He hasn't been playing great. We yeah, love Nico. Yeah, it just sucks sometimes, you know, but. Um, I like unders in general a little bit more than the overs, not by much. Um, but those are my the guys I like and what jumps out at me. All right. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, that's enough of price picks. We have the, in a couple weeks the match play championships. Yes, we've got match play coming up, and anybody who's played a match play disc golf tournament or played match play style knows how much fun it is. If you've watched the DGPT events in the past, the match play, um, it's just a really cool way to do golf where it's not total strokes, but winning the holes, it kind of changes your strategy. It allows players to maybe run for things that they might not usually run and play kind of with a different style even sometimes. So I'm really excited to see this. We've got some nice round one matchups. The one versus the 16 is well before we get into that let's talk about the big glaring thing you'll notice is that paul Macbeth will not be at this tournament uh he's got something going on with foundation i think they're doing a tournament in virginia that same weekend and i don't know if it's uh you know i guess it's that important to him where he's willing to miss one of the biggest tournaments of the year and a big payout to go do like an a tier or a b tier at his kind of home course in virginia for foundation or if there's something else going on i'm not quite sure but I don't want to focus on that. I want to talk about the first round matchups. So once again, uh, Eagle McMahon, the number one seed, is going up against Colton Montgomery. Then we've got Adam Hammes going up against Ezra, the three versus eight. That's a cool one. I'd be very interested to watch. Kyle Klein versus Chris Dickerson. And then we've got Garrett Gerthy and Kevin Jones. That's on one side of the bracket. The other side of the bracket, we got Ricky Wysocki versus Emerson Keith. James Conrad versus Joel Freeman, which I find to be an intriguing matchup. Nico LaCastro versus Gavin Rathbun, which some of you guys maybe don't know him as well, but he's kind of stood out a little bit on tour this year, had some really great finishes. He snuck his way on here, as well as Chris Clemens versus Calvin Heimberg in round one. So the Match Play Championships is sponsored by Discraft, or not Discraft, sorry, uh, Discmania. Oh, nice. It's, where are we being? Where is this being held at? You know what? That's the one detail I did not look at where this um, this so is going see, on. Let's um, see. Looks like Hellertown, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is that Iron Hill? No, we had the Iron Hill was Delaware. Um, oh, what is this tournament? Oh, great, we weren't prepared for this. Steel Club is the club. Um, I couldn't tell you the name of the course right now. That's all right. I'm not too worried about the well, course. Well, well, I I agree. And so let let's talk about why we're not. 
super worried about the course. Um, so as you mentioned, it is match play, which allows for much more aggressive style of play. Uh, there's more dynamics at play, and it really kind of shows, you know, um, I would say talent plus golf game. I mean, you got to play smart, but also usually, yeah, the more talented golfer well, is going to well, win. Well, most, let's talk about the times. variance that's in play. So, like, we have Eagle McMahon versus Colton Montgomery. Um, like, you know, it's about advantages versus the, you're playing against the other person. You're not playing against the field or yourself. Right. That's what kind of changes it. So, you know, if Eagle, uh, what does Colton Montgomery have that Eagle doesn't? Right. I, I'm not sure if you're ever really going to want to pick Colton. A 430 foot P, uh, P, P, PD shot, but that's because Eagle doesn't throw a PD much. So just looking at any of these matchups, are there any two that stand out? Like I don't see a lot of upsets. Let's, let's put it, let's put let's let's put it this way. Are there any non chalk picks, meaning people that you don't you don't, that you didn't just automatically pick the higher seated person? So what? I'm looking at my first couple. My first one, uh, I have. I think, I think all of the middle matchups are a toss up. To be honest, I have I th- a couple. I think all of the the best seeds should beat the worst seeds. That's Kevin Jones versus Gerthy, Eagle versus Colton, Ricky versus Emerson, Keith. Um, Heinberg versus Chris Clemens. Uh, I disagree. I have Rath Rathbun over Nico, even though I didn't mention that. I'm, I'm the the one seed, the two seed, the three seed, and the uh, the four seed. I expect them all to win. Is what I'm. Yeah. Getting okay. At. Okay. And so I agree. I say I say the middle the middle seeds are all toss up. So tell us. So you think Gavin Rathbun at the eleven? He's just been um, playing really good this Nico. year. And I, I agree. Nico hasn't. So I, I got Rathbun mo- uh, moving on there, and then I also took Joel Freeman over James Conrad because Joel's been I playing agree. great the couple of weeks. Oh, so we have something similar. Okay, I agree. So do so, we have do we have the exact same first we'll, first round? Well, well, let's jump into it. So uh, Kirby's Disc Golf World is doing a um, giveaway over on their Twitter. That's at Disc Golf World. Um, fill out fill out your match play bracket, um, post it and tag them, and uh, they're holding a competition for a prize. Um, so yeah, let's fill out a bracket together right here, right now. Um, I think we agreed before this, we just want to give away our first round picks because uh, this is in a couple weeks and we want you guys back next week, uh, maybe throwing us some engagement, uh, like we talked about before. So it sounds like on the right side of the bracket, we have the exact same picks. Take us through those. Oh, on the right side of the bracket. All right. So Ricky Wysocki and Emerson Keith, Ricky, hundred percent. Yeah. We, we both agree. Too. Uh, Joel Freeman over James Conrad. Joel Freeman seems to make every lead card I see, to be honest. Recently, he has. And then we both chose Gavin over Nico. And I think we both, of course, chose Vinny over Chris Clemens. Yeah? Agree 100%. All right. So that means coming out of the first round, here are our matchups for the second round. We will have, oh, I've been waiting for this, Eagle versus Adam Hammes. That is going to be fun to watch these two dudes. Well, well, we haven't talked about the left side yet. Oh, I Um, thought we... Oh, right okay, side. Right. So Eagle. We got Eagle over Colton. Sorry, Colton. We love you. You're the NASCAR driver of disc golf. We love you. But but no I, part of your game is better than Eagles. Yeah. Adam versus Ezra. This one could be a toss-up, but Adam is just so much more consistent. I think talent-wise, like max distance-wise, they're similar, but Adam's the better putter. Uh, Adam probably stays, stays in bounds more. Um, so we both I, chose. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to pretend and disrespect on Ezra. I've seen plenty of rounds this past month where Hamas was not playing well, where he'd shoot a three down to Ezra's nine. Uh, but Adam's on this hot streak, and we think overall he is uh, more talented. So I'll agree. Let's take Adam Hamas over Ezra. So, um, and then to me, this was the first real toss up. I know you love Kyle Klein, 
And Chris Dickerson has not been playing well, but Chris Dickerson, I believe, has been a champion of this tournament and a top like four finisher before in match match play. So Chris Dickerson and Kyle Klein for me is a toss up. I chose Klein, but I really think that could come back to bite us in the butt. Just just thank you for picking Klein because I would refuse to pick against him. Chris <laughs> Chris Dickerson. I mean, like I said, what about I'm, chicken man, come on. I know what can happen, but I think in match play is really about um, weighing things up and. Kyle Klein is a stud, man. I don't. I don't want to. He's had a great year. He's he's a stud, and if you're picking Hamas, you have to pick Klein. Because I mean, we mean you've just been texting about it. I mean, Hamas and Klein, obviously the the two best young talent we have, and they're extremely similar in their game. Have the exact same upside and seemingly the same floor as well. I agree. All right, the next left side is uh, Garrett Gerthy versus Kevin Jones. KJ all day. It's KJ. Garrett has not been having a great year. We don't see his, you know, C1X putting getting better within the next couple of weeks or his, I'm not sure what his, I don't know, I guess just his accuracy through the woods where Kevin has the forehand game. Well, Garrett's putt has been complete shit all year. Yeah, so we're going Ke- we're going Kevin Jones there. So that's going to give us some really cool matchups. Like we said, the first one is going to be Eagle and Adam Hammes playing against each other if our picks are correct. Of course, these are not correct yet. But theoretically, we could have Kevin Jones versus Kyle Klein. Vinny versus Rathbun, and then Ricky Wysocki versus Joel Freeman. That that could be some fun, some fun golf to watch if these go through. But so, it's going to be fun to watch regardless. So first round, we only actually took two upsets. Uh, we had Joel Freeman edging out James Conrad and Gavin Rathbun edging out Nico. Give us the favorites on the rest of them. Um, that is going to be our bracket for the first round. We will um, talk about it next week again. Next pod that we have going. And I think, I think that wraps it up. That's that wraps it up. I think. Um, well, what do we got going on? Tell the viewers what we got, the listeners, what we got going on this weekend. Yeah, this weekend we are playing in the Eugene Disc Golf Celebration, uh, which is going to be played over two days. I believe it's a B tier. Yep. And uh, we get to play two different courses: one Dexter uh, up here in Dexter, Oregon, home to. I've, there's an old YouTube video from 2008 of Dave, Felt, Dave Feldberg playing this course, which is one of the first disc golf videos you and I stumbled across in our young disc golf careers. Um, getting a get a nice little cabin house with some of the boys, and we rented it out, and going to have some fun this weekend playing, hopefully shoot better than our ratings, and maybe cash. Oh, and the player's pack is sweet. I want to talk about the player's pack. You get two Prodigy discs and a Prodigy backpack, like their $80 backpack. For this, I don't know, what does the tournament cost? Like 75 bucks? Yeah, and I, you Incredible. Know, I'm, I'm just tired of paying for these tournaments and getting bummy-ass player packs. It's about time we got a nice one. I'm huh? looking at you, Southern Oregon. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, man, you and I were definitely spoiled on player packs growing up. And yeah, we're just AMs and we're trying to have fun. And But a nice player pack really is going to influence me to play your tournament. So if you're charging me 65 to 75 bucks for a And there better a be a nice script, too, when, there, when I cash. There better be some nice script when I cash, but, you know respect these ams keep the game moving respect us ams bro i know the pros pros keep the good golf on tv but a lot of us are weekend warriors we want to have some fun collect some script and uh shoot under par <laughs> so, yeah so so there it is uh next pod we will give you an update on how we did at the uh that tournament as well as uh talk about our second round picks for um this bracket for the match play championships once again if you didn't hear us before if you get a hold of us on one of our socials and say, I'm listening, we are going to give away a disc to the first person for, that does that. For the that. freezy, guys. You know how many collector discs I have right now? You guys, too, we got so many, many discs you guys want. All right, y'all. We're going to wrap it up. We'll see you guys next week.
Peace. Peace. One take wonders. Like shit, it's eight o'clock. One take. <laughs> one take wonders in this house.